passages of scripture that just kind of keep turning up in your life. But for me, that's Psalm 46. Um, for example, uh, when the attacks uh, on 9-11 occurred, I was teaching school and I found myself faced with the task of informing my students about what was going on and not having many answers for them. But providentially, uh, we were memorizing together Psalm 46. And so even though I knew that I couldn't answer many of their questions, even though I'm looking at them, these young children, and they are looking at me with fear in their eyes, I knew that I could point them to the hope that we find in this psalm. And so, you know, this psalm has been once again resonating with me lately. And it's because I've been having these conversations with friends, with family, um, with people both inside and outside the church that has made me realize that you don't have to scratch very far beneath the surface to realize that we are living in a culture of fear. And I'm not just talking about, you know, those fears that we have, fear of snakes, fear of spiders, even fear that you might fail that Greek class that you're currently in. But I'm talking about those kinds of fears that are debilitating, that keep us, that rob us from really living in the fullness of God's grace. Um, those are the types of fears. Uh, there was a recent study that was um, conducted that said that we as Americans are living in constant fear, fear of financial ruin, fear of government corruption, fear of, um, of like the world ending, basically. You look at some of the TV shows and even the nightly news that we are, are obsessed with, you know, and just these, even the things that were mentioned in the prayer this, this morning, fear of um, being a victim of a ter terrorist attack, um, fear of failure, fear of death or illness. These are all fears that we are grappling with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, Time Magazine published an article recently called Why Americans Are More Afraid Than They Used to Be. And it noted that a contributing factor to the rising fear that we feel is that now more than ever, people feel like they're alone when they're facing the things that threaten us. Because who can protect us from these things? And in contrast to all of this, is the command that we find in scripture, be not afraid. Do you know that's one of the most frequently repeated injunctions in scripture, is be not afraid or fear not? I suspect that this command is repeated so often because God realizes how difficult it is for us to not be afraid. We live in a scary world. Things are often outside of our control. And most of us try to, we're, we realize that we shouldn't be afraid, but most of us try and combat this by, you know, just kind of repeating almost like a mantra. Don't be afraid. I won't, I won't fear this. And we're kind of trying to build ourselves up. But there's actually another way to look at this. Um, John Wesley said that every command in scripture is only a covered promise. Think about that. Every command in scripture is only a covered promise. By this, he meant that 
If God commands us to do something, he's going to give us the grace and the strength to fulfill that. After all, God is not going to ask us to do something that we are not capable of doing. He's going to give us the grace. So every time that we read that command in scripture, be not afraid. Wesley says we can actually look at that as a promise that God will give us the grace sufficient to meet every situation that we face with boldness. I think one of the reasons why Psalm 46 resonates with me so much is that it looks at this problem of fear, not through a command, but as a promise. The author of the Psalm boldly makes the claim, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. The author's claiming that promise. We need to be clear from the start, however, what this promise entails, or maybe I should say what it does not entail. The proclamation by the author here, we will not fear, does not promise that the things that threaten us will not try to overtake us. Do you notice that? In fact, from the perspective of the author, the whole created order is falling apart. The imagery in verse two where the mountains are collapsing and the sea is overtaking the land, it's almost a reversal of the creation story. If you think about the story of creation, where God speaks and the land is separated from the sea, and you know, God is building this up. It is as if the whole natural order is crumbling. Creation is literally, the world is falling apart. And if that's not bad enough, even the whole political order is collapsing. Just as the sea roars um, it, in its destruction, so too the nations are in uproar and kingdoms are falling just like the mountains are collapsing. And if there's ever a point in time where the psalmist should be afraid, this is it, right? The whole world is falling apart. However, the author of this psalm reminds us we are not alone. If we were alone, we should be afraid. However, our refuge and strength is in God. Everything very well may be falling apart around us, whether it's our finances, maybe our marriages, maybe our jobs, our relationships, maybe you are failing that great class. But if we can look at things through this perspective of who it is that we are trusting in, then everything looks a little bit differently. The psalmist reminds us twice here about who it is in whom we have taken refuge. Um, the translation today said the Lord of hosts or the God of hosts. Um, other translations say the Lord Almighty is with us and the God of Jacob is our fortress. And I don't think it's an accident that the psalmist uses these two different titles um, when he is reminding us, or the author is reminding us of, of who it is that we are taking refuge in. On the one hand, the psalmist is reminding us that God is all-powerful, that God is in control, that, that God has this. 
But he is also reminding us when he uses that phrase, the God of Jacob, that the one we trust in is not only almighty, but is one who has been faithful to, remain, to maintain a long-standing personal relationship with us, with his people. And this changes our perspective. If we look at verses 4 and 5, there is a complete contrast between the chaos that is happening without and the peace and strength within God's dwelling place. Instead of surging waters, the waters that are spoken about in verses 4 and 5 are streams that bring gladness. Instead of crumbling kingdoms, the city of God stands firm. Notice the contrast there. It is also interesting that even in the midst of this peace, this different perspective, the psalmist doesn't promise uh, that these bad things won't happen. Notice that he's, the psalmist specifically promises God's help at break of day. What does that mean? Why, why is this break of day mentioned? Well, during this time period, if, if an enemy army was going to attack, it often happened at dawn when day broke. And once again, we don't see that a promise that nothing bad is going to happen. Rather, it is at the point of greatest threat, break of day, that God's presence is confirmed. The promise is that those who shelter in God's presence will not fall. Our security is not in ourself, or even the hope that nothing bad is going to happen. Rather, our security is in God and nothing else. Near the end of the psalm, the voice shifts from the psalmist to God himself. And I read these voices, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. And I want to take that as like, oh, just this peaceful kind of calm promise. But it's probably best to read those words more along the lines of when Jesus was standing in the boat to calm another raging sea and says, peace, be still. It's almost as if God is saying, stop. Stop, stop your fear. No, know that I am God, that I will be exalted even when it looks like I won't be. We live in a climate that breeds fear and isolation. Just watch the nightly news. Talk to your friends, to your neighbors, to your family. And I don't know what it is that you fear the most. You may already be dealing with things that make it feel like your world is falling apart. Whether it's financial crisis, illness, the death of a loved one, broken relationships, addiction, you fill in the blank. But we serve a God who is so much greater than our fears. The invitation has been extended to us even in this psalm, come and see what the Lord has done. I invite you in whatever situation that you find yourself in this morning to live in that promise 
we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, God is our refuge and our strength.